Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. And I'm so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models. And I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Michelle Woodward. Michelle is a master certified coach who has coached executives across the U.S. and around the world from Japan and Australia to Latin America and Europe. A former White House official and corporate citizen, Michelle works primarily with executives who want to be more effective in their work, grow their strategic vision, and expand their leadership skills. Over the years, she's trained and mentored hundreds of other coaches and is considered a coach's coach. Michelle is the author of several books and has appeared as an expert in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, Harvard Business Journal, psychologytoday.com, and other key outlets. She's a sought-after speaker, leads workshops and classes around the country, and writes a popular blog. So welcome, Michelle. I'm so delighted to have you here on the podcast. You know, after that bio, maybe I should take the rest of the day off. What do you think? <laughs> I know. It sounds exhausting and impressive at the same time. Wow. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, it's just me sitting here in my, you know, with my microphone talking to you. And I'm thinking, wow, that is really impressive. Oh, wait, that's me. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's good to take it in. It's good to, yeah, good to hear it. It is. So you've had such a varied background from government to corporate to now the private sector. How would you describe the work that you do now? How would you define it in its most basic terms? I mean, the bio talks a bit about uh, what you do, but uh, how would you describe it? You know, one of my words, every year I select a few words for myself, and I actually put them on a sticky note and stick it to my computer monitor. So as I'm working, I keep those words top of mind. And my top word for 2015 is the word partner. And I really think... As time has gone on, this is my 11th year as a uh, coach, is um, I'm deeper and deeper into a partnership with my clients. And so, you know, what I do, I think, uh, my clients would say, is I help my people get clear on who they are, what's important to them, where who they are at their best, um, what they really want, not what they think they should want or what other people want for them, but what they really want so that when decisions need to be made, they can make decisions with greater ease um, and they can point themselves in the direction that they really want to go. That's a great description. And I love that word partner because it's a real, it suggests a real collaboration, a real um, connection with you and your, between you and your clients. Right. Because it's not just, uh, you know, there's a difference between coaching and therapy, right? And so when I partner with a client, you know, if I read an article that I think is useful to them, I send it to them. If I hear a podcast that I think is important, I'll send that to them outside of the coaching session. So, um, you know, it is a it is a true partnership. 
Yeah, and I, I agree with you about the distinction between coaching and therapy. It's it's a very different kind of process. What what is it that drew you to have to build this business? How how did it evolve, and what is it that draws you about the work you're doing now? For me, uh, when I did coach training, or even before I did coach training, when I was trying to determine whether, you know, becoming a coach was going to be the right thing for me. And that was back in early 2004. Um, and I did it by talking to, I was introduced to two coaches um, who were very generous with their time and spoke with me. And of course, it was a very infant industry at the time. Um, and I was probing for what characteristics make for a successful coach. What does a coach need? What is the training? What does the training need to look like? That sort of thing. And um, once I did the training, and I did training at uh, a number of different places because I'm a learner, um, for me, it didn't feel like becoming something new. It felt like stepping more fully into something I already was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd had a coaching approach my entire life. Um, even I can even look back in you know, college. Um, I had a coaching approach to my my friends, my colleagues. I mentored people in college, which is, when I look back, that's sort of an interesting trajectory. So, so for me, it it really was just amplifying, which is another favorite word. Uh, but it was just amplifying my natural sort of inclination and tendencies. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I share that kind of history of, of mentoring people and being approached to do that almost spontaneously. So, um, I mean, I understand where you're where you're coming from in that standpoint, and it really, it really is a way almost of stepping into who you are fully. I I think of business as a as a kind of path or a journey for people for their own. Um, coming into who they really are, and it sounds like coaching has really been that for you. Yeah, I had my, you know, I had a, a consulting business starting in 1997 um, that I did strategic uh, marketing, um, strategy, uh, communications, partnership, sort of for dot for dot com startups. And uh, it was, you know, it was great, and it suited my needs at the time, and I was successful at it. It was all great. And yet coaching was different in that I really did feel like I had walked through a door to be more myself, bring everything to the table, you know? Yeah. What is it that you think makes your coaching unique or um, in some way? I mean, uh, you have a very, quite a varied background. You bring a lot of things to the table. What is it about the work that you do that is, is unique and special? You know, I, that's such a good question. I I think there are a lot of coaches who um, who would say probably exactly what I'm going to say is that uh, um, I don't tell people what to do, but because I am in relationship with them and I'm connected with them and I'm partnering with them in that moment, what they need to do becomes evident. Um, and with me, it, I'm, an, I'm a person who likes efficiency. So it usually happens pretty rapidly that they come to that realization of, oh, this is what I need. I need to do this. I need to have this kind of um, 
difficult conversation. I need to stand up in this way at a meeting. I need to find this kind of job. I need to whatever. I need to make this kind of alliance. I need to deal with office politics in this particular way, whatever their issue is. You know, I, I think I create a really safe place for them to put everything on the table so they can get that clarity that means that they can respond fairly quickly to whatever challenges um, are arising in their lives. And that is so powerful for people. It, it goes back to what you said earlier about um, helping people get clear about who they are, what they really want. And when you can act out of that place, it's a really powerful thing for them. Yeah, and I, and I have one guy, uh, one client, um, he has a $110 million budget. Wow. And I think he has 400 people, maybe maybe more now. But I've been working with him for five years, Ursula, and his company is paying me. And he just keeps getting a bigger and bigger portfolio. And so they keep saying, keep working with him because it's obviously working. <laughs> and uh, I brought up with him a couple of weeks ago, you know, hey, it has been five years. I just, you know, I feel like I, from where I come from, I want to say to you, hey, if now is the time for us to wrap it up, I'm totally fine with that, you know. I'm here to serve you. What do you need? And so we met um, and we we're having our coaching session at the end. He said, you know, I really thought about this and I thought about five years is a long time. He said, but I also know that unless I work with you, I will not step out of the day to day pace of my schedule and reflect and think about where we need to go. And, you know, I come up to that 20,000 foot level and look at things. He said, and for that alone, that period of time doing that with me is so valuable. So let's keep going. So I think that, you know, that was also a really great explanation for a lot of my clients are working at such a full tilt that they use the coaching sessions to actually stop and be reflective, which they probably wouldn't do at any other time of their of their week or their month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it really speaks to to what you do in the work that you do with people. And do you feel that um, that is part of the impact that you have? I, I know we had a, a, a bit of a preliminary conversation about this, but I'd really love to, to hear from you around this. I, I define impact as positive influence and... Um, it's, it's something that certainly suggests a high level of action or intervention. And, um, I don't think that it necessarily has to be the case, but I'd love to hear from you about what your thinking is around that, about the impact that you have with the, your, the clients that you work with. And, and the thing is that I, I've never set out, uh, with a specific intention around impact. And as you said in my bio, you know, I've, I've trained so many coaches over the years and, and so many people come into coach, uh, to come into coach training with some sort of idea. You know, I'm going to change the way people see left-handed oboe players, whatever, some pick <laughs> something, you know, but they have a mission and they have a, they have a real thing they want to be an advocate for. They want to, change people's opinions. They want to, they want to have a big impact that way. And I've never actually, I didn't go into coaching to have an impact. I went into coaching to be of service. Mm -hmm. And so my feeling is the impact that I, 
really, I, 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 I go into it to be a force for good in the world, meaning I'm kind, you know, I'm open, I'm accepting, uh, I respect people, um, and I create that safe place for them to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Hi, I have a $115 million budget and I don't know what I'm doing. You know, and for me, I guess when I think about it, the way you framed impact, it's it's actually creating that space that then allows my clients to have an impact that also gives my work impact. In other words, I don't go into it and say, today I'm going to impact Sam. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't. It's not even in my um, frame of reference. Right. However, over the years, people have said to me, sometimes I go in and I say, I hear your voice in my head. And, and your voice is saying to me, how can I be fully myself right now? Mm. And that's an impact, right? Yes. It's not something I intended, mm-hmm. but it's something that occurs. Yeah, and, and I think that's why this topic is so rich. It's not just for people who want to be crusaders and and uh, for social enterprises where there's a clear mandate to change something in the world. I think that change does come about, but it's not necessarily from that place of, yes, I'm going to, I'm intending to make this change. It's about the clarity and uh, solidity that comes with, here's the work that I am doing, and here's how um, I'm going to be in the world, and that in itself has an impact. That's that's a place, a starting point that we all come from in the work that we do. And the more clear and the more um, the more we have a solid foundation for the work that we do, the more that we can um, have that kind of influence, um, whether it's intentional or not. Is that do you do you agree with that, or would you would you modify what I just said? No, I, I agree with you, and I, um, you know, I I think there is a role for advocacy in the world. I mean, you know, where would we be without people who created Mothers Against Drunk Driving, for instance, or the NAACP, or, you know, any of the the large organizations or movements that we've had in this in this country and around the world. So it is. I think it's really important to have that. But I do think, as a coach, um, you know, I I think part of the things that my clients really appreciate is that I don't have a dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. You know, un- unlike so many people they talk to in the course of their day or week, their spouse, their coworkers, uh, you know, if you're an executive, the board or, you know, your senior leadership team, all those people have a dog in the fight. I don't. And so um, it gives, I think it, it does give that place that they know I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have an agenda. I don't have an agenda. I actually that's like the crazy thing. A lot of young coaches will say to me, well, do you have an agenda for how every coaching session is going to go? I'm like, no, that's not my my business. My business is to be present, create that positive space for the client to be whoever the client needs to be and bring whatever they need to bring in that particular coaching session and for them to, to direct and for, for the client to really say what it is that they want and if I'm present and I'm right there with them and I'm partnering, something is going to come out of my mouth more than likely that makes them rethink, uh, refeel, and plan. And that's really what it's all about, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, we're very much aligned in, in that. I think creating that kind of space that you do is so powerful for people, and it's it's a rare thing. It's a rare opportunity to have that kind of openness and allowing for whatever comes up, and um, that's that's part of the power of the work that you do. It's deeply spiritual on one level, if you really think about it. You know, I mean, it's like, it's a... Um, it's a kind of a very, um, you know, treat others as you'd like to be treated. It's very much the, it's a very open and accepting. I mean, I've had clients, I've had clients who are observant, um, Muslims, mm-hmm. uh, conservative Jewish people. I've had people on every spectrum of Christianity. I've had people, um, who are agnostic, who are atheists, who are Buddhist, you know, every, single thing and you know to create that safe place for every single one of them to bring whatever it is that that they want to work on is really it's it's very fulfilling yes and um yeah i can totally see that and i mean talking about it from the perspective of spirituality it's the most profound kind of spirituality there's an acceptance and an allowing of the other person and to be in the fullness of who they are. And that's, right. that's kind of a basic tenet of, um, of spirituality. And, and uh, so, yeah, that's very profound. Um, thanks for sharing that perspective. Uh, some of the things that you've talked about are um, really deep, they seem to come from a place of deep values that you hold. I mean, you, you spoke about wanting to be of service, a force for good, um, to be kind, open, respectful. And, and the way that you spoke about your client and uh, your five-year uh, work with him and, and saying, well, hey, is this a time for us to be looking at continuing or not? I think that shows a lot of integrity. So... All of those things, to me, speak of a really, um, real clarity that you have around your values. Is would that be fair to say? And and do you, do you ground your business in that? Yeah, I, I'm in, I think that's a very succinct um, kind of catalog of my key values. I mean, <clears throat> I would add learning is uh, something that I uh, I realize that every day I need it, it I consciously learn something every day and I'm also as I mentioned I'm uh, also really fundamentally about efficiency um, so my business is as as a business I have I try to keep to a 30 percent overhead um, so now I'm going to talk really business but I really <laughs> You know, I try to keep to a 30% overhead because, and that includes, you know, all, all my business expenses, including my health insurance and that sort of thing. Because my feeling is if, if I had my, uh, overhead at 50%, that means I keep 50 cents on the dollar, which means I won't have that extra, um, 25 cents, let's say, or 20 cents so that I can take a time to read a book or watch a watch a web an R or whatever I'm going to do it for my learning every day. Um, I also value efficiency. So, you know, I, I do have somebody who's sort of a, my VA web person. She's been with me for nine years. Um, and, you know, I have an accountant 
accounting firm and I have, um, you know, lawyers available, that sort of thing. But <clears throat> I don't have a big infrastructure. Um, and because I don't feel like I need it, but also because I really have that value on having an efficient business. So my entire business is permeated with my values around how do I serve my clients? How do I, how do I really partner with them? You know, how, how can I offer them an efficient, um, way to get this done as well? And working with my clients, I always, part of the initial work we do together is an exercise on values. And a lot of people, you know, we think we throw these words around in the world like values, 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 but we don't think about what that, what they really mean. And so if you have a value around learning, curiosity and learning, let's just say, that's great to know how do you put it into play. And so for me, making that time every day to consciously sit down to learn informs every single bit of the work that I do from the writing to, you know, the coaching to, as I mentioned before, sending webinars to my clients or in the middle of a coaching session, I'll say, ooh, I just reread Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and I think that would be a perfect book for you to read. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a huge value to my clients. So I use values there in two different meanings, and I did it successfully. So that's good. But so... <laughs> My values bring value. How's that? My values bring value. <laughs> yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And, and I love the way you describe that on both levels. It's not, it's not just um, having values in this kind of disconnected, almost philosophical way that doesn't translate in any way to the day-to-day. I, I love the way you uh, moved into talking about your overhead and how that reflects your values. And it's something that I think people struggle with because this whole values thing, it's become very popular in the corporate realm. There was this whole wave of values-based um, initiatives within companies. And I think it it served a purpose in the sense of heightened awareness around it. But if you then don't put it into action in any way in the all the way down to the day-to-day, then it has very limited value, if I can use that word. Um, so from the way that you operate your business, it, it's the values weave their way through all the way down to making financial choices about how you're, uh, how you're spending your income and your time as a way to... Um, uh, to really live those out in your business, which I think is a great, great testament to what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. When an organization says, you know, our number one value is our people, and then there's a pause, and they say, and now we're laying off 1,500 of them. Right. It, you know, does, it doesn't having a value, saying you have a value around your people is not borne out by your actions, then your values are actually meaningless. Um you know, to say we have a value, I was in an organization this week meeting with the CEO, uh, and the CEO has decided that one of the, the CFO, uh, they were invested in coaching for the CFO for six months. And the CEO just said to me, I have such a value around my people, and I, I want to really invest in my CFO's professional growth. That's why you're here. And to me, that's where I have a value around my people and I'm committing to it. I'm showing it 
by by what I'm doing here. I, I thought I told that CEO, I told her, or she was a female CEO, I said, I would like to clone you and put you in charge of every single organization in the world. Really? Can we do that? And she smiled. So, <laughs> Yeah, and that's it is so powerful because not many people do it. I, I think there's a really entrenched old business model that even people with small businesses have. Like, this is the way you're supposed to do things in a business. And really, there is not a way to do things. There is a way to do things that um, that can be out of your own set of values and allowing those to live in your business business on a on a day to day basis in every choice that you make. So, I think there is a new a new uh, demand. You know, the thing that I uh, observe, and I don't know if you observe this, I'd be really interested in your perspective is I observe that more and more people really desire to be seen, not necessarily in the Kardashian way, but in the like, know me for who I am. You know me for what I bring to the table. You know, don't, you, you know, know, know who I am in my totality. Um, and I think, I think the most successful executives that I work with today are the ones who are able to really see their people and meet their people where they are. Do you do you observe that too, Ursula? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that touches on such a deep human need that we all have to be seen, and we spend so much time and energy in our work. So, to have that come to us from whatever uh, quarter it comes is is a really powerful experience, and it's certainly part of. Uh, the work that I do with people in small businesses is sh- allowing people to be all of who they are in their business and to let their clients and customers see that, to let their team see that, and uh, to really be present to people in a, in a wholehearted way. So, uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's such a powerful desire for that and it's playing out as well in the way that people are choosing to conduct themselves in their own businesses and I love hearing that there are people in larger organizational settings that are are doing that because I think it creates an amazing work environment for people one of the the things that uh, I have a background in corporate as well and one of the things that I experienced and I know many other people have as well is is this sense of you can bring part of yourself to work, but not all of you. There's There are certain acceptable parts and other parts that uh, either get left out of the equation because it doesn't fit into the job description box, or um, it's just uh, not something that's seen as valuable within the culture of that organization. You know, I did a webinar, not this August, but August of 2014 for the Harvard Business Review, and it turned out to be one of the most popular webinars they've ever held, and it was about bullies and toxic people at work. And what I've observed is when you have a very toxic work environment or where, um, you know how guys, some guys, not all guys, but some guys will play a pickup basketball game. Mm-hmm. And they'll call each other names, you know, yeah. and they'll just, you know, completely rip into each other. And then they f- wrap up the game and they go have a beer. 
in, in some environments, work environments, especially uh, a lot of male-dominated environments, not all male-dominated ones, but many of the ones that have taken that same sort of attitude of pickup sports into the workplace. You know, I have guy male clients who say to me, you know, I'm if I say something, if I'm vulnerable in the workplace, I'm going to get my I'm going to get teased so mercilessly that it's not worth it. So, yeah, I armor up. I actually talked to a client about this about two weeks ago. He said, yeah, I armor up. Because I know I'm going to get attacked if I don't have my armor on. Mm-hmm. Those kind of organizations are the ones that are the most due to be disrupted. And they're going to be disrupted as our millennial friends and then the post-millennial kids come into the workplace. Because they have a different relationship with with work and their careers yeah. than their parents did. They saw their parents you know, working 80 hours a week and getting laid off. And so these kids are like, you know what, I'm going to have the balance that my parents could never get. It's just the pendulum swinging. And so organizations that don't allow people to be wholehearted, as you said, and to bring their full selves are, you know, are really at risk, I think, uh, for being significantly and profoundly disrupted and sometimes in a way that's not going to be to their best interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. That's true. I think there's a wave of, uh, there's a fluidity in which people are approaching their work now that is uh, much greater than it used to be. There's a lot more acceptance for moving around and for making shifts and changes, and it it results in changes within those organizations, whether they want to see that happen or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or it causes, you know, their alumni to leave the organization and recreate their business in a better way, yeah. which then means that, you know, then you're really at risk. So, yeah. Are, are there things that you deal with on, um, uh, just trying to think of how to frame this, but are there things that you deal with on an ongoing basis in your business that you find challenging in creating the kind of environment that you want to create in, in, creating a a scenario where you're uh, present and able to partner with people. Are there things that you come up against in that process for you that kind of stand in the way of that impact that you have of of creating that environment, allowing people to really be all of who they are? You know, I've learned over the years that um, while I can coach anybody, it, it the pairing between me and client really matters so much. And it's in my best interest that if I feel as though I'm not the right coach for them at that moment, that I refer them to somebody who is, mm-hmm. um, and that I give myself that uh, freedom to, uh, to not work with people if I feel like the fit is not going to be right. And I think for a lot of newer coaches, that's so hard because from a cash flow standpoint, you know, you want to have a business or consultants that probably the same way, you know, anybody, you know, how do you turn away people with money in their hand who want to <laughs> want to work with you? Right. But what I found is if, if I look at my schedule and I see somebody's name on my schedule and I think, Oh, I hope he doesn't call. That's not good. Right. right? right. And so what I try to do, well, some people have said to me, Oh, you know, you're so successful. Why do you still do, you know, a 30 minute get to know me kind of session? 
And I said to a coach yesterday, it's because I'm actually, I am actively screening in that call. Is this somebody I want to work with? Is this somebody who's a good fit for me at this point? Am I a good fit for them? You know, is this a good match? And I found that 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 has saved me a lot of anguish and heartache, you know, to be able to to screen for that. Um, I would say that that is one thing that has come up. The other thing I was just thinking about, I went to the dentist this morning. And so, you know, you're laying in there in the chair, a lot of time to think. <laughs> and I was thinking the the one of the things that I find frustrating is the people who say, hey, you know, why don't we have lunch or coffee because I want to pick your brain. And I, I and uh, most of the time I say no. Um, my schedule doesn't allow it. Why don't you sign up for one of my learn more about coaching things and we'll talk about it then, which right. I'm happy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's a, it's like somebody who's like right on the friend cusp. You know what I mean? They're like they're not like my dearest bestest friends who get dearest bestest friend treatment. They're like people I know and like and I kind of am involved with and you know it's like. Sometimes I make the decision to meet them and then I feel bad. Mm. I feel bad because it's, it's a one way. They, they have a, a big need. They're asking me for my professional expertise. Mm-hmm. It's like going, asking your dentist, would you, you know, want to go to Starbucks and could you take a look at my molar? <laughs> right. And I, and that to me is, is, I get frustrated and I, I allow myself to get kind of mad <laughs> about it, to be honest with you. And really, it's just something I need to I need to be a better um, guardian of my time um, because the friend the friend thing, and then you know they want my some people want my expertise, and I completely get that. And it's it, that's a I think that's a hard line to dance. What do you think? Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing your perspective on that because I think that's something that a lot of people deal with, whether it's coaching or other realms where they're asked to basically do the work that they normally do, but in a setting that's not really conducive to to doing their best work because it's a scenario of, well, let me just pick your brain or can I just ask you this one question? And um, when you're in the area of service and that's part of what you offer, I think one of the challenges of this kind of work is to set those boundaries and have clarity around, well, where is that line? Where is the um, where is the place where you're willing to offer that and where you're not? And I've actually written a blog post about this because mm. it, it happens to me a lot. I think it happens to most people and certainly to coaches where people are asked that. Yeah, I have um, I have pretty good boundaries. Mm-hmm. I would say I have pretty good boundaries. But again, it's that sort of that particular slice of people mm-hmm. who are like, because if it's a stranger, I don't have a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I know exactly what to do. Right. But it's sort of if you have that spectrum of like, here's my very close friends over here on the left. And then, you know, kind of moving out to people you don't really know. It's the people that you know, and you like, and you kind of whatever. So if they say, Hey, you want to get a cup of coffee? Could be a friend cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's, it, I think that's the real, that is a really hard one for a lot of people. Yeah. So it's an absolute challenge because there's, uh, I mean, there is the connection there. There is the, the larger friendship issue at whatever level right. that that is. So, 
Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a tough one, and it it's a bit of a moving moving target in a way, in the sense that it almost has to be evaluated on a one by one basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Is there is there any advice you would give to uh, other business owners about um, the work that they do, the impact that they want to have, about how how they might um, positively affect what the people that they work with? Are there are there things that you would want to convey to them around this? I I know that you're more in the camp of of allowing impact mm-hmm. rather than kind of forcefully uh, marching into the field after it, but uh, I think it'd be so valuable for people to hear your perspective on, on right. that for others. I would love to climb up on my soapbox and, uh, you know, gesticulate wildly into the air with my finger pointed in the air. Um, <laughs> back, to, back to efficiency. You know, uh, over the years I've seen so many, particularly coaches, but to a degree consultants, who, who get... Um, kind of enthralled with some guru or teacher who tells them that there is a, there's a template, that there is a secret, that there's some keys to having a business, having an impact, that, that there's like a, there's like do this, then do this, then do this, do then, then do this. And they do that. Uh, blindly without looking at does this align with my values first of all what are my values and is this instruction aligning with my values is it aligning with who I want to be in the world you know um, and and they waste time and they waste a ton of money and if they remain in business because a lot of them flame out because the template worked for one person but that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work for everybody. And they flame out and they get unhappy. And if they stay in the business, it's really that kind of, that's sort of a trial by fire that then allows them to shed a lot of that stuff and become the person they need to be in their business, which is a wonderful thing. It's just often a costly and inefficient way to get there. Mm-hmm. So I, I Always, when someone says, I'm thinking of doing this, you know, $50,000 program with so-and-so, I always say, what do you think is going to be different when the program's over than, than now? And what is it that you really want? And a lot of times, it's that feeling, I don't know enough, so I'm going to take the training from somebody who knows more, and then then I have a greater guarantee of success. And that's actually... That's kind of a fear-based thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that people, some people come into coaching, in my humble opinion, um, because they want to be famous. Mm-hmm. And so they take this path that their ego is asking them to take, and then they don't get famous, and they're extremely frustrated because they've either spent a lot of time or money or both, and they haven't satisfied that, that need that they have. My whole, like, motto, I guess, it's like life is much more the tortoise than the hare. And the hare is very flashy, you know, and very, you know, there's a lot of motion. But it's the tortoise who day by day lives their values, does their work, um, delivers, 
that ultimately ends up having the greatest influence and impact on on themselves, their world, and others. Yeah, I love hearing that. I I think that the the danger in those kinds of programs that are offered as you know follow my method and you'll have this income come your way. I I think what gets lost in that is the the day-to-day here are the things that you need to do on the day-to-day basis that are going to move you in that direction and it's a lot easier to make those choices when you have clarity about your own values and what your what is important to you rather than following someone else's template and um, yeah I, I'm, I'm with you I'm on board on that one um, and I, I think that's a great thing for people to hear that it's um, it's not necessarily about following a particular mold uh, that you're supposed to follow it's it's really and this is so how much your work is grounded in this it's so much about people getting clear on who they are and what they really want right yeah well, thank you for sharing that, Michelle, and for uh, for sharing all of your perspectives today. I think this is really valuable for people to hear. I think that your um, your approach to the work that you do is really powerful, and it's it's uh, obviously having an impact with the clients that you're working with. If you can uh, be bringing people along within organizations and uh, over such a long period of time, I think that's uh, incredibly valuable for for them and for all of us who are um, interacting with those those organizations. So, thank you so much for being on the call today. It was my pleasure, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, if people would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? My website is uh, michellewoodward.com, and Michelle has just one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. I always say my parents kick the L out of me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so people can certainly contact me through the through the site. Um, my web, my email, and all that is right there. Great. All right. Thank you. So. Join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. And until next time, keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact.